Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 154. Thank you for joining us. Today we combine a Colby world tour visit with an advisor check-in as Colby's own Agustina Cavasoto pays a visit to the Colby Cast. We get to hear about Agustina's journey as a homeschooled student and advisor, but also get a glimpse of what life is like south of the equator in Argentina. We hope that you'll enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. And this is Stephen, homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy. Hi Stephen, how's it going? Going very well. It's a still because we keep progressing through spring. The it's we're we're getting there almost. Almost. Yes. Yep. Lots of things blooming here. Yep. Looking very green outside in places. Variably. Okay. Well, today we're adding another stamp to our Colby Cast passport, heading to South America this time for a visit with Colby advisor Agustina Cavazotto in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Hi, Agustina, and welcome to the Colby Cast. Hello. Hi, Bonnie. How's Stephen? How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Doing well. I've been looking forward to visiting with you. I've enjoyed the times I've gotten to meet you a few times in some of the Colby gatherings that the that the staff and related folks have on occasion. So I've been looking forward to getting to know you better and hear more about you and your and your background. So would you share with us um, a bit about yourself and and your background and your interests and and your Colby connection? Yeah, definitely. Um, it is so great to be here. Um, Actually, I'm kind of jealous. It is fall right now. It's rainy and humid oh. and kind of cold. So <laughs> hearing about the spring has made me so jealous. Okay, so I grew up in uh, San Diego, California, in Houston, Texas. I was homeschooled there while grade school, and then moved to Buenos Aires, Argentina, um, where I was still homeschooled. Um, after that, I went on to college. I studied literature and linguistics at college. So yeah, now I'm a Colby advisor which is simply great. I get to help families do the same things I did in school, um, both in the U.S. and in Argentina. So that's been really great. Wow. How old were you when you moved to Argentina? Um, I was 13. So you had lived a few big cities before. Was it just complete paradigm shift, like world flipping over, or was it just kind of another step along the way? A bit of both, I think. Okay. Um, so my family's from Buenos Aires. I have my grandparents here, hmm. um, but it is a very different society. Um, cultural paradigms are very different here. Um, also, homeschooling is very rare in Argentina, so it was it was also a lot of getting used to. Yeah, I mean, besides the language, of course. Um, yeah. Okay. So now with your linguistics background, I've noticed you mentioning a few different languages in the in the interactions that I've had with you and and seen you be a part of. How many languages do you speak, study, know, are you comfortable with? Um, you seem to move around in several of them just fine. <laughs> okay, there is Spanish language, of course, uh, Latin. I know some Greek, not fluent in Greek, um, classical Greek, not not modern Greek. I wish I knew modern Greek, but I don't. Um, then German, Italian, and I'm currently learning French, but I am like, I am not good at French yet. Okay. Oh, goodness. All right. That's amazing. So interesting. 
I have dabbled in Russian too. Um, but I mean, I, I couldn't have a conversation in Russian, so it doesn't really count, I guess. Do you see, so of the languages that you are more um, familiar with, does Russian intersect closely with any of those? Does it, do any of those make it easier for you to pick up the Russian or not really? Yes, actually, yes. It's an it's another Indo-European language. It's from the Slavic branch, so it isn't so similar, but it does have a very complex case system for nouns and adjectives, which is similar to Latin. It actually has one more case than Latin, so it is very exciting to like, trace um, irregular roots and case endings and verb uh, tenses in Latin and Greek in Russian. Also, I did study ancient, uh, like old English, Anglo-Saxon at one time. I don't know if it counts as a separate language, um, but I did learn Anglo-Saxon one summer. So it is also very interesting to like follow the history of words throughout like, different countries, different ages. So yeah, that's, that's fun. That's something I found super interesting when I would accompany voice majors. When, when I was a piano major, I played many, many voice lessons. And so they would have to translate their various um, leader and and art songs and arias and things they were working on, they would have to translate those. And I would always appreciate it when they would provide me with the translation that they were doing, <laughs> that they were working from. So it was just interesting to kind of get a slight, slight peek into the different languages. And it kind of um, sparked a curiosity of my own in linguistics, but I didn't get very far in those studies. So I just find that so fascinating. So that's very, very I'm cool. always so impressed by the, the how musicians especially singers get to pronounce so many languages they mm -hmm. they sound like natives I'm like, yeah wow. yes i wish it's very impressive <laughs> yeah it's all training yes they work on it so hard that it is a and they have to have such a finely tuned ear to but and you have it too with your linguistic studies we were discussing some pronunciations before we started recording and and i could tell you you've got the got the ears for it as well. So um, outside of your um, academic studies and your work with Colby, what are some of your other interests? I love hiking um, and exploring cities. Um, I think if I had like one week to myself, I would just like go off into a new city and just explore it. Also visiting bookstores, especially like those old bookstores where you've got all the ancient books and there's this beautiful smell books it's beautiful um I love going to the opera actually I attended uh Bach's Easter Oratorium the other day at Teatro Colón which is one of the most recognized uh opera houses in the world so that was really impressive yeah let me see I love reading I love the Lord of the Rings I love um Dostoevsky and Chesterton Okay. Lots of, lots of authors. I don't think I could pick like just one or two favorites. Okay. We won't make you do that. <laughs> and so you've been with Colby as an advisor for a while now. You grew up as a student, a Colby student, and now you're back serving Colby in this capacity. How did that all come to be? Okay. So it was, it was really funny, actually. Stephen Hayden messaged me on LinkedIn um, and you asked me if I was um, a TAC alumni, alumni, I think. And I was like, no, but I do know about half of the people who graduated from TAC because <laughs> all my friends from the U.S. did go to TAC and their parents did too. Um, also, some people in Argentina moved to the U.S. to go to TAC. So I was like, 
I love TAC. So I was finishing co uh, college at that time and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I wanted to do something that was academically challenging, but also I did want to get to um, spread the faith. I want to do something that was like Catholic related and preferably if I was in a great community of people, that was another plus. Um, so when uh, Steven messaged me on LinkedIn, I was like, God is telling me something. So after that, I think it all, it all went like, pretty fast I was it was it was so amazing um so it's been such a blessing to get to be on the other side um my I was pretty young when I was in the states um uh, but my parents sometimes tell me like yeah we talked with uh this person at Colby and they were so great and they really helped us and like I'm now trying to do that for family so it's been really such a blessing from the first time t speaking with you, Augustine, or messaging with you, I could tell that you were a love a lover of learning that would just fit right in with our Colby community here. So it's so exciting to have you come on board as an advisor for me. But what I love about Colby is that people who like to learn are called lovers of knowledge instead of nerds. Right. <laughs> well, we call ourselves that at times too, but for the most part, we're lovers of learning. Lovingly, yes to see it come full circle so you can really identify with the people that you are working with now you've been where they are and i'm just, i've heard lots of great things from from folks who benefited from your accompaniment with them through through their colby studies that's so. so sweet yeah 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 often i've talked with parents who are kind of nervous and they're like oh the book this helped my students and i'm like i was a student too i was homeschooled and my parents went through the same thing they were late turning in great reports they were late doing the grading and that is okay your child can still graduate. So yes. <laughs> music to their ears, probably. <laughs> okay, so we'd, let's go back a bit to when you were a homeschool student. Do you have any standout memories from those times? Good or bad or funny or bizarre, any of that? Wow, so many. I think my first homeschooling memories were from when I was still in preschool. Um, my parents would go to the homeschooling conference in Anaheim and I first, I was first exposed to the homeschooling community there. And I was like, I love reading at that age. And I was like, there are so many books and there are so many cool things that there were like games for kids and stuff and like conferences for little kids too. So I would really enjoy that. And I did connect with other kids my age. So those were like my first memories and they were really positive. And then other homeschooling memories are like the different uh, groups of friends I made throughout my homeschooling journey in all of these different cities and yeah i am still friends with many of them which is really crazy some people are like um okay you homeschool so you don't have any friends uh you never got to play as a kid and i'm like no i would play all day i probably had more friends and more fun time than you because you were at school <laughs> no just kidding but um <laughs> funny <laughs> maybe kidding yeah, uh, let me see. And then I did go to a co-op in Houston, um, Our Lady of Walsingham Holy House, uh, which was also so wonderful. I started learning Latin there, and that's where I discovered my love of languages. Uh, yeah. Neat. Did you have anything, Any? did you settle into any particular routines, or did you have any certain structures that really served you well? I always liked making lists. So I would make a list of everything I had to do during the day. I still do that. 
and that was really helpful. I tended to get really distracted by books mostly. I would read ahead instead mm -hmm. of doing my homework. So um, also having lots of little siblings, I would get distracted by the baby or by the toddler who was watching a movie. Um, so making lists and being like very specific on what, what I wanted to do was helpful. Also learning to go to my mom and saying, look, I don't understand this. It was hard for me. I was really independent, but it was always very helpful. Um, also, my parents were very wise and they knew how to use motivation to make me learn. So especially as a little kid, they would be like, okay, if you finish your math homework, we can go to the park or we can go to the swimming pool. Um, and I would I would do all my homework so quickly just for that. And then when I was older, I would self-motivate. Like I can read a, a chapter from The Hobbit if I finish my homework and that always worked. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. just about finding what works for you. Like some for some people it might be jogging or video games or I mean whatever. Yeah, I can certainly see that with your love of reading and learning, like a, some of my public brick and mortar school experience would have just been disappointing in so many ways, you know, because there's, I, re, I remember when I was in like around third grade was when my reading was taking off, but that was always the thing. If I got my in-class work done, then I could go to the back of the, the schoolroom and get a book and read, you know, or whatever. So I just would have, would have imagined you just being kind of like, why can't we read more books where some of the classes go like, Oh, another book we have to read. You'd be like, what? Only one. Let's yeah. read seven. You know, that, <laughs> I can imagine that. Were there any books you liked at that age, Stephen? I was growing up in rural Wisconsin. So th there's an author and I'm probably will butcher his name. Jim Gelgard is what it looks like. It's probably Gelgard or something. But he would write about, um, so it was like Big Red, um, lots of animal stories or boys going out into the woods with their dogs and things. So I remember at that age when I was just, yeah, it was very, very exciting. I, I actually did attend a brick and mortar school during first grade. And I would, yeah, I would go into the library all the time. I was the teacher's pet because I did my homework. So the teacher would let me go off to, to the library and do my stuff. The fun stuff after your your work. Yep. Do you find? Do you are you still that way? Do you still make lists and kind of order your order your work and you motivate yourself like that? Is that still working for you? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Every I have lists per day, per week. Okay. Sometimes per month. That that just like I tend to be forgetful if I don't make lists. So that's I think that's what works for me personally. Okay. And then how would you say? your Colby experience factored into what you chose to do after, after your Colby days. Well, before, before your current Colby days, but after your Colby student days. I think there was a lot of the reading um, that was important to me. After all, I did choose literature for college. Yeah. Um, also just having the flexibility and my parents really were really able to get a lot out of it. So they got the tools and they got all the support of the Colby community and they were able to make me love reading and make me love studying and even math and science. So I think just this love of learning, as Steven said before, uh, was probably the single greatest factor in my um, later life choices. I did want to study liberal arts because I thought it was like the most universal 
course of study, but there, you, you can't study liberal arts in Argentina and moving to back to the U US just by myself at that point was really complicated. So I chose literature, which is the most universal, um, what's it called? It's like a major, but it's not a major because it's your, it's like everything you study. So the field, okay. okay. Okay, we can say field. Okay. Um. <laughs> so would that have included some of the other humanity humanity studies that the liberal arts that a liberal arts course of study would have included, or or it included it did not include any of the STEM fields. Let's say so no math, no um, astronomy, no music, just like as in the history of art and music. But we didn't get to study like the 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 inner workings and the physics of music. But I do feel that studying literature, it's it's the field of study here in Argentina is broader than in the US. You also study linguistics and you study languages and some modern languages too, and some history, some art. It's it's very broad. And um I'm my thesis was about St. Isidore of Seville, who wrote um the great encyclopedia of the Middle Ages, and he starts by treating of all the liberal arts. So although I did not get to study like arithmetic, I did get the say, conceptual tools to be able to study authors who did treat of that. Um, I focused on ancient authors and medieval authors. Uh, so there was a lot of liberal arts in the most general sense in, in, in them. Yeah, definitely so. That's pretty close, yeah. yeah. That's I. I just love the um, you know again kind of bringing in some of that homeschooling experience and discovering the things and just your approach to to these, which is really what it, I mean. I, I I think I've said multiple times on our podcast. It's we're very blessed in our to have the leisure to study, and you know so often like my experience in brick and mortar could often be like learning was a drudgery, and learning should be hard. I think it, learning can be hard, but it's also we've got this all these great books that you you've talked about or that's that's just fun i mean so and that's the way things really tend to stick at least for me was when i engage when i'm choosing to learn not when i'm checking off the boxes necessarily you know just because somebody said i had to do this or whatever so it sounds like you've you've chosen well and embraced the learning experience yeah also i think my education and Elementary and middle school with Colby and then in high school where I was also homeschooling did give me the tools to steer clear of the Marxism, let's say, in college. I did get a lot of that. Unfortunately, I stayed at the Catholic University of Argentina, but I would say at least half of my professors were definitely on the left and most of the others were kind of undecided. So. Um, there were very few professors who actually took a Catholic stance and who actually um, transmitted their love of learning. Most of them would say like, literature is just a social const construct and it is oppressive. And I was thinking, like, why are you teaching literature if it's oppressive? But you weren't allowed to say that. But uh, I think that having been homeschooled, I had the tools to like, OK, I'm going to take the test, but still I'm going to learn on my own and I'm going to read on my own and do my own research. So that was a big difference I felt like 
comparing what I received at school with other kids who went to brick and mortar schools here. That's very hope um, inspiring and gives me great hope for my own kids as they are working through their Colby years and, and what that will, how that will help them in the future. Yeah. Let's talk some more about homeschooling in Argentina and what that was like, sort of what your memories of that are from that time when you were yourself homeschooled and what is kind of how it is these days. Is it very prevalent now or not, not terribly? Homeschooling was rare and it is still rare. I think the pandemic saw some growth among homeschoolers, um, mostly because it reveals a lot of problems in the school system, which were always present, but the pandemic made them more obvious. And a lot of people said, like, the, so homeschooling is, is not an Argentine thing. It's always regarded as some foreign thing. It's like, oh, it's for Americans. Hmm. Um, so homeschoolers here tended to be like American families or people who grew up in another country and then they moved here, but it was very rare or maybe like some very tiny niche people. Um, but like among the general Catholic public, it was very rare. And saying somebody's a homeschooler, it was like, oh, they're weird. They do not want friends. They just want, want to stand apart. They're like, I don't know. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it sounded very weird. And lots of people, maybe they hated the school system and they hated their private school or, or their public school, but they, they were afraid of having the kids at home and like suddenly changing their whole educational paradigm. And then you've got the pandemic and the kids are at home and the parents have to educate them. And there were studies like before and after the pandemic. I think this is also true for the states, but it's, I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with the Argentine case. It was very notable here where um, test scores for kids just plummeted after the pandemic. So lots of parents said, okay, maybe if kids are already online at school, maybe I can just pull them out and homeschool myself. So there are some more people who are actually daring to try homeschooling. There are also a few schools that get their accreditation through Colby or through other, um, actually, I, I'm not sure if there's any other besides Colby. Um, I don't know if like the other homeschooling academies have schools here. Another uh, paradigm that sometimes works for Argentine families and maybe families in other countries too, is combining the brick and mortar school experience with the liberty that homeschooling gives you. So, um, the state controls pretty much all aspects of schooling. So they choose the curricula, they choose the books in most cases, they um, they get to um, mandate what teachers say in class. So a lot of parents are trying to avoid this, but still maybe they don't feel ready to school the children at home, or maybe um, also there's an economic crisis in Argentina. So most parents need to work like both mom and dad because you can't buy food if only one of them works. So you can kind of find a middle point and send the kids to, um, the structure would be kind of like a co-op. So it's a group of Catholic parents and families who get together and they the, the kids sometimes have even have school uniforms, um, but they use Colby uh, materials or they, get to choose their own curricula and um, get their accreditation through Colby. So this allows them to sidestep the state 
uh, mandated materials, um, which are very unsavory. Um, and they get, they get to teach their kids what they want. I've seen that same sort of thing happening in Europe as well, especially Ireland and, and uh, well, actually, Ireland, England, Germany, and Austria are all having that same sort of problem and with the same sort of challenges that you're talking about where there's their systems are their tax systems whatever are not set up to have a, a, a parent who is not working and it's not set up to have to pay anything for your education so both of those things really create in, in those countries at least real challenges to to enter to make the leap to to homeschool even with colby yes and in argentina there are several obstacles to homeschooling. First of all, you don't have an infrastructure. So in the States, my parents decided they wanted to homeschool because they knew a lot of homeschoolers and they could see the they were doing great things. So they started attending a parish with the majority of homeschoolers. They attended conferences. And then we started like we had this group of little kids, like five or six years old, and we were doing homework together. And then we would go to field trips. Uh, to the farm, to the science museum, and there was like this whole infrastructure. I remember in Houston, the science museum had one day a month, which was for homeschoolers. So they give us special guided tours, special classes for homeschoolers. I had my ballet class in the morning because I was homeschooled and they had a special class for homeschoolers. Here in Argentina, you do not have any of that. So when we moved here, it was a really big struggle because all of, all of my friends were in school until like 5 p.m., like 8 to 5 p.m., because kids live in school because their parents can't, can't take care of them because they're at their job. So you don't have any activities for homeschoolers. You do not. And then you've got the suspicion of everyone around, you. like probably your family, your wider family is going to be against it. Your friends are going to be really suspicious. Your neighbors are going to be crying. They can um, report to you. There are no laws against homeschooling, but the state, of course, does disencourage it because it's a way of um, breaking free of their um, mandates. So many people have struggled with this. Also, there is this kind of like social thing against homeschoolers. In, in the society, there is homeschooling is so new and so foreign that many people don't don't know what it means. It sounds like it's not for them, or maybe it's too expensive. Maybe it's like for people who are rich and have private tutors or something. Or maybe it's just an easy way of getting away with not doing anything. So I've had this question like, oh, you really do your homework? Oh, I would I would use the answer key. Like, can't your parents lie? And I would try to make them see that actually if your parents decide to homeschool you, it's because they care about your education. If not, the easy way out would be to just send you to public school, which is free and no time required. And yeah, so there, there's like these legal um, obstacles and these stereotypes that people have. Also, since it's there are few homeschoolers even now, you can't find so many kids who have a similar schedule to you. You don't find so many kids who have similar interests because if you're homeschooling and you're reading and you're doing all that and you're neighbors maybe the kids are in school all day and they just care like for the latest cell phone or they're just like really into school sports and so it's harder to find like-minded kids your age so I've seen in Argentina I've seen a lot of people really um 
missing out on the friendship part. So that's like probably one of my biggest messages to homeschoolers in Latin America, particularly in Argentina. I don't know so much about what it's like in other countries. Uh, but just like make sure you're connecting with other families. It's very hard to be alone. It, it might be easy at first, but then after you finish school, you might be like, oh, I missed out on so many, so so much stuff. And it does also feed into this misconception that if you don't attend school, then you're not going to be socialized or you won't have friends. You're going to be a weirdo, a nerd. It's like, no, you can actually have a lot of really healthy friendships as a homeschooler, be as parents or families need to go out and look for the families. It isn't so easy as in the States. Like my neighbors were homeschoolers too. And the kids across the street were homeschoolers. And at the parish, half of the people were homeschoolers. Here you like really need to go out and look for them. How do you how do you end up finding them? How do they are there like online groups or or it's it's usually word of mouth. Of course, they're going to be concentrated around certain like more traditional religious groups. So if you go to like your hyper progressive parish, you probably won't find any uh, homeschooling families. But a lot of people are turning to um, these schools that partner with Colby um, because also there's another obstacle um, like adding to the previous obstacles I mentioned, which is the language. Um, here in Argentina, everyone learns English. Like there are at least a few levels of English at school, but sometimes the parents haven't taken English or sometimes um, they don't have a native level. Um, I mean, they, of course, they aren't native speakers. So they're looking at Colby books and they're like, okay, I have an eighth grader, but he can't read on an eighth grade level. So they're like, I need a curricula. And over here, people are just like used to signing up for school and getting the books at school. And suddenly hearing, okay, you need to do research, find your own books, create your own uh, course plans. And they're like, no, that is like, that's too much time. I don't have the infrastructure. I don't have the training to do that. Um, also people here tend to like look for an expert for things instead of like doing it themselves. So they would just be like, okay, I want the school principals to tell me what to do. So if you join one of these schools, this allows you to um, receive everything ready-made and it's in Spanish and you can do it and you've got the teachers to help you. Um, so that the schools like give more tranquility to parents. They, they, they know their children are in good hands and also that way they can get accreditation because um, since the Argentine government doesn't recognize homeschoolers, like people who just decide to homeschool without, um, like independently from another school, they won't be able to get into college. And college is the single most important thing in Argentina. I, in the States, um, lots of families want their kids to go to college, but here in Argentina, it's like, if you don't go to college, you're a failure. You're like, you're nobody. Um, you're not gonna get a job. So it's, you need to do it. So. Parents' biggest worry is, will my kid be able to go to college? Um, and Colby actually does give this um, opportunity. People can get their um, diploma, high school diploma from Colby and just get it translated, get it um, apostilled, and that's, that's enough. That's okay, and any college will accept that. So that's a huge bonus for people here. Not they, like they get the advising, they get all the support, they get the community, and also they're getting the, the accreditation. So um, for people who discover what Colby is, I've explained it to 
people through Colby and also people who I knew, like friends and stuff. And they were like, that is so awesome. I never knew something like that could exist. Like there's a country where homeschooling is legal and they allow you to get like a diploma. And I'm like, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's, you know, some of your experience there just reminded me so much of hearing my wife's experience back in the 1980s and 90s with homeschooling here in the, the States, where um, like she would talk about they weren't allowed to go and play in the front yard during the day because there was a concern that, you know, neighbors might report them for truancy or whatever. And yeah, to stay inside the house. Another struggle many families encounter when they're homeschooling with a U.S. academy is bringing the books because um, it is sometimes hard to get them through customs or the shipping is very expensive. So lots of families have discovered that maybe creating their own curriculums, like with Argentine books or books they can get online is really helpful. Also, working in schools allows um, maybe one person can fly to the U.S., bring back the books, and then they can distribute the books internally in the school. So that really does give you, it, it's it's so much easier, I think, in that sense. That's been a common obstacle is like getting the materials across yes. the world. Yeah. What were you going to say, Stephen? No, yeah, I was just yeah, thinking about all yeah, all of those difficulties and just uh, again, just you know, places schools like Colby, I mean, they started up as a day school, but saw the need of homeschooling families, just like you're talking about in Argentina. Of course, it's harder even there, like when you talk about language and books, that's another step that, you know, as a school, I guess we as organizations, we need to keep adapting to make those things easier for for uh, families and you know we've done that at colby by by bringing augustina onto our staff so we can <laughs> much more easily relate to to, uh, yeah. to these problems but but yeah it's, it's yeah just they started trying to solve some of those problems in the states way back when they started up was just to do that and so it's kind of fun to think maybe we can help another country make that step you know or people in that country make that step yeah, and word of mouth is impressive. Like maybe one family starts homeschooling and then there's a lot of people who come to me and they're like, oh, I heard so-and-so is homeschooling. I'm interested now. Um, so I've recently had a call with a, a family who are actually going to start another school in Argentina um, due to the closing of, uh, it's a very good, it was a very good Catholic school here. Um, it's closing down. So um there's a group of families who still want the great Catholic education. So they're thinking about joining Colby if they can work through all the logistics for it. Um, so it's it's very exciting to get to um, go through all of their worries because they, they feel it's totally foreign. Also having to pay in US dollars is a huge obstacle for many people. Even, even if the amounts are low, it is still like actually getting your hands on the dollars, making transfers or um, paying by credit card is such, it is so hard. So actually having somebody who's like in Argentina and being able to tell them like, yeah, it's okay. Lots of people are going through the same thing. We have the support system. Um, I can get you and put you in touch with other people who are doing the exact same thing. Um, and that really helps them. That's very nice. Yeah. It, it's, it seems in so many ways it's like it's an experience that I have very little uh personal connection with, not having this these same kinds of obstacles that that you're describing. But one similarity that stands out to me, I'm I'm 
over the weekend, someone asked me similar thing. I heard you all homeschool or you were homeschooling or, you know, and we're thinking about that for these reasons or whatever. What can you tell me? And, and I got to talking at length in my email. I, I got, I got going on my email and I looked down and I'm like, oh, wow, this is pretty long. But uh, I ended up talking about how we are enrolled with Colby and, and all the services that Colby offers with record keeping and advising and transcript issuing and accreditation and being a school of record and so forth. And so then I got to the end of all that. And I was like, so in, in many ways, yeah, we're homeschooling in the sense that they don't go to a brick and mortar school, but in, in several senses that they are private school students at home or in, in that kind of thing. And we are part of Colby as a school, uh, not operating completely independently. That varies so much from state to state in the United States, but it, it sounds like there are some intersections here with, with how Colby serves as, as the school and the students are at home, but they're still students of that school. And that kind of uh, facilitates transitions to uh, future educational institutions to kind of help things along in that regard. Yeah, and being able to tell people there's a prestigious institution that has decades long experience behind you and they're helping you each step of the way. And that really changes things yeah. for people here. Mm-hmm. I expect in the States too. Yeah. Uh, but for people here, it's it's like, it's something from another world. And actually being able to share my experience as a student, as an advisor, and seeing like the look on their faces change and they're like, oh, I could do that too. Yeah. It's, I don't know, it's like a blessing. It is so fun. It, yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of your role as advisor these days, um, what are some common things that you see or hear from your families that you take care of? And what advice do you find yourself giving repeatedly? I've had a lot of families worried because they aren't meeting deadlines, hmm. which was always an issue for my family. We always have like either a new baby or a family trip or family illness or something we never we were never able to like do um August to May it was except for 12th grade for me I think I was never able to finish on time and at the start my parents were like oh no this is terrible and then it was okay this is one of the beauties of homeschooling we get to be flexible and make this work for our family instead of just like phoned an artificially set up calendar, um, which is, I don't know, the government made the calendar just because you need some order for society at large, but for like each specific family, maybe there are different needs. So like embrace that. I, I wouldn't say like, don't, don't try, don't strive to meet the deadlines because it helps. Like you don't want a backlog of three or four years of grade reporting, but still like, don't feel bad if you're a few weeks behind, even if you're a few months behind, it's like, it's okay. Don't stress about it. You're doing a great job as a parent. Nobody's perfect. Um, I've had a lot, of, a lot of parents feeling like they aren't coming up to the mark. And it's like, no, you are blessing your kids. This is a blessing from God. Just like embrace it transmit the joy of learning, the joy of education and loving God. Like, give all of that to your kids. Pass it on to other people you meet with. Um, and just like be joyful in your homeschooling journey. Um, I don't know, like I can't remember who told me that when I, actually it was probably somebody telling that to my parents. And I was like, I would listen to everything, of course. Because um, <laughs> little kids listen. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, this is powerful. Yes, 
um, it's like the joy of homeschooling. It isn't just stress and work. Mm -hmm. Something I would also say is like, I'd have to tell people they should play with things. It, playing isn't just for little kids. You're also allowed to do it as a high school students and also as a parent you can play around with course plans you can play around with like until you discover your kids interests it's great to give them access to all kinds of um, activities and see what they like you you can play with ideas you can play with um, books I mean just go for it um don't feel you need to okay um this I don't know the government said or the school said I need to study this so I'm just going to study this and like, I think you were saying something like this, Stephen, like, we can explore other interests, too, and we can discover other loves besides just, like, what the school, which works for maybe a thousand students, it's, each person is so different, each family is totally different, so, yeah. Oh, and probably my last piece of advice based on uh, my advising these it's been almost a year as an advisor, okay, from this last year and also from my experience as a homeschooler in the U.S. where we had this really strong infrastructure and in Argentina would probably be to find friends and make good friends along the way. Okay. Now, certainly before we end here, I, whenever we get these you get to talk to somebody who's in a different country than I'm in. I've, I've been to Austria, but other than just a tiny bit in blip into Canada when I was a boy. I've basically been a states boy my entire life. So I'm hoping that you can I can vicariously visit Argentina through you. Like what's the food like? What's the how are things how are things different for somebody who might be going into Argentina for the first time? Okay, let's start with the food. The food is great. Um I'm a huge fan of Argentine cooking. It's it has a lot of Italian in it because of Italian immigration. Um, so you've got like a lot of um, pasta, you've got a lot of uh, pizza and lasagna, all those like great gnocchi too, um, you know, no, like lots of um, Italian uh, meals. Then you've also got, maybe it isn't so strong, but like there is a Spanish cooking tradition too. And then you've got, these these dishes that are just Argentine, like empanadas, um, which have a crust and different kinds of fillings. You can have meat or ham and uh, cheese or, well, so many. Um, you can make an empanada with pretty much any kind of filling. Then another one is asado, which is probably the most single most famous Argentine dish. It's like a barbecue but the cooking the, the ingredients the whole it's it it's also a tradition so it isn't just okay you're grilling meat there is like a mystique which is built around the the saturday or sunday asado with your family also mate which is like you have this bird and you fill it with um like it's it's basically like a very strong tea because instead of like putting in some leaves into the water, you have you fill the cup with lots of leaves up to the brim. It's like dried leaves. Um not like dried leaves on the street. It's like but a tea. Yeah, special okay. kind of tea leaves, but only okay. it's mate leaves. Um okay. mate it's called. 
um, and you fill it with very hot water and you sip it through a straw, which is not a straw, it's a metal straw. And the weird thing for Americans is that you pass this on so everybody uses the same metal straw, which is very surprising. I was very surprised at it too. For the first few times I drank mate, I got burnt because it is taking very hot. Um, but after that, you could, it's it's this very big community builder. If you want to join a group of friends, the best thing you can do is take your own mate and say, like anybody wants some and you're instantly friends with everyone who drinks your mate. Also, Argentines are very friendly. They are much warmer than Americans. So first time you meet an Argentine, they're going to like hug you, kiss you. Um, they're probably going to be like touching you. And so for me, it was a very strong culture clash. I was like very distant, like, okay, I'm going to shake hands with you. I'm not going to hug you or kiss you. And everybody was like, oh, welcome. And so it was that's probably one of the biggest things uh whenever an american friend comes here i'm like okay get ready you're gonna be hugged and kissed a lot um <laughs> but it's it's just like part of showing friendliness here um also people uh use a lot of hand gestures it's probably the italian blood and tradition so yeah i also use my hands a lot when i'm talking um let me see me too i can't claim the italian but yeah it's a pianist thing i think yeah We'll go with that. <laughs> oh, also, people don't like following rules. There is chaos on the streets. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, people are a lot like, rules are just guidelines, like from the Pirates of the Caribbean. Was it okay. rules or laws? But yeah, they are just guidelines. <laughs> Okay. One of my children were just—I don't remember which, well, what, whatever country it was—but like in in America we drive on the right, and in in England we drive on the left side of the road, and then in this other country it was just a road is a road. <laughs> you know, so. Annoying. <laughs> yes, probably. <laughs> well, that sounds like a fun place to visit, and especially if you'd have someone like Agostina to kind of be your guide there once you arrived like yes please come and visit me that'd be fun sounds delicious too now i'm rethinking my dinner plans also tango is very big here and folklore which is like the traditional music um different kinds of people listen to tango and it's like it's two different like hip-hop and um country dancing so it's like totally different both from the u.s but totally different okay so oh yeah they're like two really big things here hmm, that's fun yeah so i'd have to see whether i'd fit in very well with my strong norwegian background with uh, everybody trying to hug and doing the tango those latin dances don't always work so well for me but uh, we'll <laughs> yeah, see I, I would do my best i bet you pick it up Take right to it. Anyways, people here love tourists. So if somebody's like, I don't know, um, they're, they're just going to be really respectful of it. Okay. And a lot of them speak English. So that's handy for someone who. Yeah, most people speak English. English. Okay. Fabulous. Okay. Anything else you wish your Colby families knew or anything you want to tell them before we head out? Any takeaways for them? Um, I think I just want to thank them for being at Colby and for being so great. Always when I'm talking with the family after the call, I'm like, I was so blessed by this call. I hope I got to give back some of that. 
but it's mostly a feeling of gratitude to be like they're trusting uh, part of their kids' education to me and Colby, and it's like this huge sense of responsibility. But also, I just want to th- say thank you, and like, you're doing such a great job, and I admire that so much. So wonderful. Well, from what we've heard, they they get a great many blessings from their interactions with you, and they're they're greatly helped by you. So. It's been just a fabulous time visiting with you. And thank you so much for coming to visit with us today, Agostina. Okay, thank you so much, Bonnie and Steven. I really enjoyed this. Subscribe to the Colby Cast on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss an episode. And let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating or a review. And as always, feel free to email us at podcast at colby.org. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Kolbe, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam.